Welcome to People's Church Podcast. I want to talk about one of, I think, the the pinnacle verses of the whole Bible. It's like the Mount Everest. It's this verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll come back to it, but I don't want to set that up. Perhaps you sometimes feel as if you're caught between what you are doing and what you believe you should be doing, or what you know you should be doing. And it's impossible to dig out. As the song sings, says, his grace finds you. But are you, are you ever frustrated in your Christian walk? Maybe your journey to perfection. Now, perfection in the Bible means maturing. Doesn't mean perfection as us, some of us perfectionists think it is. It's maturity. Um, Some days it may be like you take one step forward and three back. Some days it might feel like you're on a roller coaster at West Edmonton Mall. Now, you're not by yourself in this. That's why I want to take you to the scriptures before the great pinnacle scripture that there is therefore no condemnation. I want to take you to the scriptures in the previous chapter. Paul the Apostle expressed serious frustration in his continuing battle with sin, with his struggle. You know that the source of spiritual struggle is in every Christian? You say, well, no, I saw some some this morning that looked like they had it all together. There's always a serious struggle going on in every Christian. Paul writes this in verse 14, chapter 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am made of flesh and blood. I'm sold as a a slave to sin. I don't know what I'm doing because I don't do what I want to. Instead, I do the thing that I hate. But if I'm doing the thing that I don't want to do, I'm agreeing that the law is right, but now I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it is sin that lives within me. It's not this. It's not that I, well, I just guess I didn't get enough education. Or I'm just a bad person. Or uh, I need to try harder. That's not it at all. You see, through one man, sin entered the world, and that was Adam. And by that, all men and women sin. We have that nature. Every Christian has a spiritual struggle. Paul says here, the law points to our sin. But there's nothing wrong with God's law, he says. It's sin. The war within caused By sin. 
Now I want to talk about four aspects here this morning uh, involving the struggle with sin. And I want you to remember this, that these aspects we talk about, the immensity of the problem, I'm going to get to that, let them dry, let, let us, let them drive us to Jesus. Let us, them remind us, we need a savior. It, it's not just enough to, you know, come into the faith. Jesus doesn't just bring us in, but he takes us on down the road as long as you're here on earth. He does that. So don't get stuck in that. I want to talk to you from these scriptures that it really is Paul's personal story. It's very dramatic the way he writes here. I've already read a little bit of it. But first of all, the spiritual struggle is a personal striving with sin. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm made of flesh and blood, and I'm sold as a slave to sin. I'm in bondage. I'm not free. The law is spiritual. The law is good, but I'm not free. He talks about this from his personal point of view, and it isn't interesting that uh, this is how God used the apostle. This is how the word you know, all of the, all of, nearly half the Bible, it's how it came into being because this apostle who was called by God experienced this stuff and wrote about it and wrote a great theological thing that we can read and study and meditate on and pray about and we can find victory. Aren't you glad for Paul's personal story? Here's the problem. The struggle is that this, is that a regenerated spirit, when Christ comes into you, dwell, still dwells in a sinful shell of a body. Passed down from Adam, the Bible says. Our regenerated spirit recognizes and desires to practice the law to do good, but the sinful flesh undermines any attempt to do so. It's undermining, constantly undermining. I don't know if you've, uh, you know, driven on some of our roads. There's one thing down here on the way to Grand Cache where you come down the road and you're kind of coming into the valley and this whole thing is, uh, it's, it's uh, gone, the, the bank under the road has just started to leave. And uh, the road was left. And there's a big, you know, there's a big uh, detour there. There was. They fixed it. It's a big bump now. But, uh, and here's what makes the struggle really tough, is that, Paul says this, that it's, it's so painful because a Christian is always aware of that conflict going on. He says this in verse 19 and 20, 18 and 19, sorry. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the, for, the will, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. 
For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do. Our spiritual struggle is personal. It's a personal striving. That poem that was read before the song, that was a man's personal striving. Very well written. So well written that it draws you in. But that was that Christian's personal struggle. The struggle in this verse, or these verses that Paul's writing about, is a clash between the renewed spirit of a believer and sin. The spiritual struggle is not, is also not able to be understood or analyzed. I want you to follow this point kind of carefully because Paul does not even attempt to try to analyze it. And if anyone could have analyzed it, Paul could have analyzed it. Paul was a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he was, uh, came up in the law. He was on the, on the top shelf of all these guys. And then you know what happened to Paul. Knocked off his horse on his way to persecute Christians. And Jesus calls him to be an apostle. Blinded by the light. Then he, he gets healed. But it's not to be understood or analyzed, this struggle. I don't know what I'm doing, he says, because I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do the thing I hate. Paul the Apostle wrote over half of the New Testament. He's the one that has all the answers, right? Why doesn't, he, why doesn't he do this for us? Why doesn't he make us understand this and write something more down or analyze it or whatever? He doesn't do it because there is no answer. Sin is irrational or irrational. Spell I-E-R. -E uh, Paul's, Paul's story. He's the one that's struggling here. He could, he could have written, but... It, 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 it's not analyzed. And we take, spend time analyzing it. The last thing you did. The last thing you think you, you, you blew it. And it, it gets in your mind and you analyze it. And you analyze it and you digest it. And it goes round and round in that self-talk. And it becomes more of an accusation. And the enemy uses it to accuse us. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the cistern. There's no cistern. It's everybody. All of us. Uh, so why do we spend so much trying, uh, so much time trying to understand? Why do we turn on the news and we look at the horrible things going on out there and there's horrible things going on here? Why do we spend so much time trying to understand it? Sin is irrational. Sin is in everyone. By sin, or by Adam, sin entered the world. It's irrational. There is no easy explanation. That doesn't mean we just throw up our hands in despair. I'm not saying that. Probably it's, it is time to pray. What we do with this 
trying to understand it, we judge, we compare one sin with another. Sin cannot be understood, but we, 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 we say, well, this one is a little better than this one or worse than this one. And uh, what the, the thing is with sin, with sin it, it lacks usual or normal mental clarity. But are we usual and normal in our clarity? Take relationships. Husbands and wives. What about that relationship? At the wedding, at your wedding, did you just all of a sudden bingo and you both became non-sinners? All of a sudden at that wedding somehow that inclination to go uh, to not sin or to sin just disappeared as you kissed the bride, as you put on wedding rings, as you were pronounced by the pastor that you are now husband and wife. No. You know, if you're married, that it doesn't take very much to make the fur fly in your marriage. It can be a look. It can be a word. You know that. Or parenting. How many times as a parent have you said, this just doesn't make sense the way our child is, you know, what he's doing. I said it many times. My youngest child is 40 tomorrow. I don't say it anymore because he's an adult. Uh, but it doesn't make sense. My kid did this. My kid do that. Did that. It doesn't make sense. But I'm not saying throw up your hands and uh, forget it. I'm not saying that. God's given you his Holy Spirit to guide us and to pray, uh, for us to pray them through and lead them. So why do we spend energy trying to understand it? In the message version, it says this, uh, 7, 14 to 16, I'm full of myself. What don't I understand about myself is that I decide one way but do another. This is the apostle. Kind of an interesting way, the way the message puts it. So our spiritual... Uh, battle is a personal struggle. We're not able to understand or analyze it. Our spiritual struggle is also this. It's a serious problem. It's extensive and it's intensive, as you know. Paul says, I know that good doesn't live in me. That is in my body. The desire to do good inside of me, but I can't. I, uh, I don't do the good that I want to, I, to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. That's intensive. It can become very intensive. It's temptation. But if I do the very thing that I don't want to do, then I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it is sin that lives in me. 
that is doing it. And it's extensive. So it's a serious, extensive, intensive problem and it's gripped the whole world. It's also this. It's a painful journey that is painful and exhausting, involving great care and effort. Paul says in Romans 7.21, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. Something just rises up in us sometimes, isn't it? No, we don't, we don't have to be like, um, you know, a person that's just angry all the time. But there are things that rise up in us, and that is our sin that is in our flesh. Not an excuse, we're still responsible for it. Verse 24, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And another version says, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Now we've gone down to, you know, had the, we're going to talk about the Everest verse. Now we're almost down in the Marianas Trench here. The deepest sea, deepest ocean, uh, deepest part of the sea. Who will set me free from this body of death? This is Paul, the apostle, the great apostle who wrote half the New Testament. And here's, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, my Lord. There is no other answer to the pain, to the exhaustion, to the intensity, to the intensity, to not being able to understand or analyze it, not understanding it's irrational. Thanks be to God who delivers me. Jesus Christ delivers me. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my nature a slave to the law of sin. Now, okay, chapter 7, now you close your Bible, right? You're finished your chapter. But actually, you know, in the original manuscripts, there were no chapters. So that's why we have to, I mean, you could do this in your Bible if you want to. You can scribble out the, that says eight. Because this just continues on. And then we, we come to the K2. K2 or Everest. They're close, right? They're, they fight about that. It says, therefore. I had a Bible college professor. He used to say this, and he used to kind of make a little bit of a joke of it, but he, he made a joke of it to get it through our heads that he said, when you see a therefore in Scripture, it is therefore a reason. In other words, it says, for this reason... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There isn't a more beautiful verse, I think, that is offered to us 
And it talks about this here, being made right with our creator. No condemnation. It's not this, well, I'll pursue it till I reach it eventually. Probably, you know, when I get inside the gates of heaven or something. No, 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 no. The blessed state of what we call no condemnation is immediate. If we are in Christ, we are united to him by faith. And we've stepped forward. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day. In fact, you're going to have bad days because that spiritual struggle continues. But look, you got an anchor, an anchor, the best anchor in the world. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That anchors your soul. There's no middle ground between standing in grace. Your grace finds me, they've sang that, and standing in condemnation. Either we are declared righteous by what Jesus Christ has done or we are condemned and we are not condemned. Jesus did not die on the cross to say, well, I'm done with you because you did this yesterday. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we read on in the next two verses because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by our flesh or the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came as a man. He came and he was sinless. The likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering once and for all. And so it says he condemned sin in the flesh. Here's the, here's the most interesting paradox, not paradox, paradox contradiction you could say in the whole where it's amazing it's, you can I am I am weak failing and guilty but at the same time in Christ I am safe secure and loved that's grace and it's not of ourselves you can't win it you can't buy it you can't work for it it's grace and there's two things it accomplishes. Number one is being justified. Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't leave us there. He brings his peace. We have access by faith into this grace. A lot of song, a lot of words in our songs this morning about grace, right? Even if the word wasn't there, there were a lot of concepts being uh, talked about, sung about, pardon me. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him and we boast in the hope of God's glory. 
Boast? I'm, I'm struggling here. Yeah, boast, you know. You can do a flip-flop and you can start boasting about God's goodness to you. We're sinful and we remain so in these bodies, but we are also supremely loved, completely forgiven, and never in any danger of condemnation. I'm not saying to go ahead and like ignore uh, your disappointment at your ongoing flaws and your ongoing failings and, 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 but here's what I, and I said it earlier. Let those things drive you back to Jesus because you're in Christ, but you continually need a savior. You continually need him. It isn't, well, I'm in, I'm in now. I can just kind of, you know, float along and heaven's coming. No. No. Let them, let them drive you back to Jesus. And in gratitude. Gratitude's a very important thing. Maybe this is the pinnacle of our gratitude is to give thanks to Jesus for getting us out of the pit of condemnation. And you know, the more aware we are of our sin, the more wonderful we realize it's the truth that there is and never will be one ounce, one gram of condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, it must be a little tiny bit. It must be a little tiny bit. If you look at it through your eyes, you may see that, but it's not true. It's a lie. You're telling yourself a lie. Are you sure? I'm sure. The scripture says so. It's the truth. It's the word of God. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, 1850s, England. Uh, so many writings. You can read thousands of his sermons. He said this, at this day, God loves us, and he will love us forever. He loves us infinitely, and he could not love us more than that if we had never fallen. At this time, in Christ Jesus, we are brought nigh. I will say it as nigh or near, you know, like the old English word, as if we had never sinned, yea, and nearer. Justification, that big theological term or justified is this. Just as if you never sinned. That's how you can remember that. Easy, easy way. Another thing God does is he sets us apart. He sets us apart for his purposes. There's another big word. But just, just leave it with set apart, but I'll just, it's sanctified. That's a, that's a big word too, big theological word. It means to be made holy, to be consecrated. And really, you know, it's to be blessed. What's that word blessed mean? Well, we bless our food at, at when we, before lunch. 
we are, we're, we're consecrating it in a sense, thank, thanking God for it and for the use of it in our bodies. Colossians 1.27 says this, God wanted to make the glorious riches of this secret plan known among the Gentiles, which is graced living in you the hope of glory. We know all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to close with a, a, a little story. It's a story that I think will, I want to, I want to encourage you to continue to read the book of Romans because I think it's a book that we look at and say, man, it's so theologically heavy. It's got all this stuff in it, but read it. Meditate on it. It's for you. By the way, here's the story. Uh, when I first uh, came on staff here at the church, 2007, 2016, I met a man. He sat in our congregation. His name was Johnny Mapplebeck. Anybody remember Johnny Mapplebeck? He was a faithful attender. World War II veteran, British Army, paratrooper. And he lived, at this point, he was living in Pioneer Lodge. And I'd go visit him there. And he'd always ask me, you know, I'd take the Bible, read the Bible to him, but you know what he I, I, what book he always asked me to read? Guess what? Romans. He asked me to read out of Romans. I can't remember a time if he asked that he wouldn't ask for Romans. Now, I would try to read something else. But I mean, Romans is a big book, so, you know. But we read from Romans. Uh, and you know, I'd watch Johnny, he would get teary-eyed. Um, he just passed away a couple of years ago, 102, uh, about 21, 2021, born in 1919. And Johnny used to share a lot of his stories with me, stories uh, about his bicycle shop that he opened up in England there after the war, about his racing bicycles. And in fact, he rode bicycle out here on the streets until he was 84 years of age. Um, a long time on a bicycle. But he also told some stories about the war, World War II. It took him to uh, Italy, took him to uh, like along the coast of France and Belgium took him, the final place he was at was in Israel, near the end. But there's one story that told, he told me, and I just kind of realized it, why he liked the book of Romans. He told me a story, tears in his eyes. He told me, in fact, he told me this a few times, about a young man, young man like himself, one of the soldiers in his unit. It happened one day that a grenade got thrown down 
by them. And this young man, Johnny's age, 20, 21, 22, he fell on it and he covered it so nobody else would be killed and he died. Johnny would weep about that. But then I got the connection. Why he liked the book of Romans. He could relate. He saw that very thing that Paul talks about in Romans 5, 6 to 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Let's stand together. morning I want to pray first of all if there's anyone here or watching this morning you've never received Jesus you can pray this prayer with me and follow along with me Jesus I thank you for dying on the cross pay for my sins I ask you to forgive my sins. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Help me to know you, to trust you, and to follow you all the days of my life on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, get in touch with us, write out a card. Talk to somebody here this morning. We want to help you in your walk with Jesus. Let's pray. I want to pray our closing prayer now. Let's pray. Lord, as Christians, you know we struggle. I want to thank you for these words that you gave Paul centuries ago. We know we live a life that has personal struggles. We try to analyze them. We try to understand them. They're intensive. They're extensive. They're on us. We're painful and we find pain and exhaustion. We've been hurt by somebody. We carry some things around and they fight in our minds. And our faith is weakened. So Lord, today I want to pray for this congregation and those listening. This normal struggle that each one of us experiences as we try to serve Jesus Christ. 
It is, a, we know, it's a sign of life, not discouragement. If what you see in Christ is not always what we accomplish, then you are on the right track. Keep moving forward in Christ. So I thank you, Lord, for those promises. I thank you for this big one we looked at today. There's thousands of promises in your word. This might be one of the biggest ones. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that promise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.